Hello and welcome to Markets Extra, the podcast where we discuss what's moving markets and what makes traders tick. My name is Han Tan, Chief Market Analyst of Exunity Group, which operates global brands such as Alpari International and FXTM. Now for today's episode of Markets Extra, we have got to check in with OPEC+. Plus. Uh, they've got a key decision to make on July 1st about their output levels for August. And as we speak, oil prices are trading around their highest levels since October 2018. Why is oil climbing and how could OPEC Plus influence oil's near-term performance? Today, we'll hear from independent analyst, Mr. Jamie Dada. Jamie, always a pleasure to have you on this podcast. Thanks for coming back on. Great to be here, Han, as always, and a pleasure to speak to you. Let's start with setting the stage here. What are markets expecting and what are some you know, key themes that uh, they'll probably discuss in that virtual call? Yeah, there's increasing pressure to increase output, isn't there, because of uh, that market strength you've talked about, really. You know, we're up nearly 10%, I think, this month, um, near 50% of the year. So there's pressure coming from inside the group. Uh, and also from key consumers to cool the market, really. Um, as countries come out of lockdown, you know, some of the big consumers, India, for example, only this week have said that the rising oil prices are adding to inflationary pressures. So, you know, they're getting different sides within the, the cartel and externally just to um, increase that supply. Uh, and I think markets are really expecting something like uh, at least 500,000 barrels per day it's really at least that amount isn't it and because anything less would be supported to the market and to bulls to push on higher right anything less than that 500k figure and we could look at more upside for prices because the world is facing very tightening conditions in the oil markets in other words there's not enough oil supplies coming back online uh, versus the demand, the rising demand for all these folks want to go on summer trips. And I dare assume, Jamie, you've got some summer road trips planned as well, which would consume some fuel. <laughs> summer trips, maybe, maybe not actually, because we might not be allowed. We might not be allowed too far in the UK. So um, I won't be consuming as much oil as some people maybe in the States where their you know, driving season is now hit peak times, I think. So yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's sort of whether OPEC are worried about over tightening and then there's nothing to stop them changing that level of the 500k, which they gave us before of the current deal or ignoring it really. And I think one of the key things around this is how much spare capacity they have and that the OPEC producers are sitting on, you know, around 5.8 million barrels, which means, you know, the key question is how quickly they're going to release that to the market. And like you say, with growing demand from you guys, us guys here, um, <laughs> you can see from mobility data, you know, just the movement of population in the States, in Europe, in Asia has been growing. Let's actually put that 500K figure into context here because 500K, right, which is the potential output hike, that means more uh, oil could be pumped out by about 500,000 barrels per day starting in August. Okay, uh, that's what markets are expecting. But if you set that 500k figure against um, what the world needs, or even if you set the 500k figure versus its spare capacity, like you mentioned, in short, it doesn't seem to really fill that gap between what the world needs 
versus uh, the supplies that are actually coming online now, is it? So there's been a lot of chatter about this tightening market conditions basically persisting through the end of the year, right? Again, the market's really thinking that OPEC will be quite cautious, really. If you just look back to to where we were, say, 18 months ago, you know, that cautious approach by OPEC really has paid off uh, in a way. You know, way back at the height of the pandemic, it was OPEC's job to rebalance the market, you know, when we all got hit by COVID and, and that demand got completely hit. And at that peak, you know, we were way, way above the five-year average, I think, in inventories. Uh, in June of last year. And then within a year, because of these record supply cuts, they've brought those back down in line with the long-term average and fair play to them, considering the, I think it's around 2.1 million barrels per day supply that they've increased to the market since, you know, between May and July. Obviously, prices are rising, but I think that's more to do with the demand side and especially India, as we've mentioned, who were having a real tough time of it, sort of April time. Uh, and yet now, you know, people are looking through that much more. So it's not just output levels within a group that they have to take into consideration now, isn't it? Because there are other things that are happening outside of the group that could influence their decision this week. And just within the group, just to recap, you know, the Saudi energy minister, I think last week saying the oil market is not out of the woods yet. So, you know, there we go. He, they're still mindful. And, and then that's probably why the market is still expecting this, you know, cautious approach by the group. And he also said that OPEC plus has a role to play, you know, in containing inflationary pressures. But no, there's definitely other uh, other influences as well. The I think you're probably referring to the US-Iran talks potentially, you know, where we're still meant to be far apart, I think was the quote. So after six rounds of talks, um, the latest round didn't end in a deal. Uh, and especially with the election of the new Iranian president, you've got the potential there again to further delay talks. I understand that he is um, he's under US sanctions as well. So, you know, that's really not going to help matters there. And they have, I think, estimates around 2.7 million barrels a day of Iranian crude, uh, which is not likely to come onto the market soon, but, you know, is something to bear in mind for potentially back end of the year. So just to set the context here, um, the US and Iran have been engaged in these long drawn out talks about the nuclear deal, right? So currently, Iran is being placed under economic sanctions that prevents them from basically shipping their oil to the rest of the world. If the US and Iran can come to a, an agreement then they could see Iran gradually ramping up their two plus million, that figure that Jamie just cited, their two plus million barrels of oil to customers around the world. So I think OPEC Plus will have to be mindful of that because it could disrupt their own supply plans, right? Because if they say, okay, we're going to hike, and then Iran also at the same time reaches a deal and they too start shipping out oil, then we could see that uh, supply balance equilibrium, so to speak, actually tilt into oversupply. Yeah, because you know, right now we're talking about a deficit where supply is not enough for demand. It, it could easily be tilted the other way, whereby you've got more supply than demand and that could bring prices down. So it's definitely a very delicate balancing act now, isn't it? Yes, no, absolutely. And also, we don't know if they will agree on anything in the later months. So we only know for the next few months on Thursday. So, you know, it would be great if they told us about their longer term plans, because obviously that gives more certainty. 
And then they can always, you know, change those month on month. But at the moment, we're not sure about that. So they can loosen or tighten that tap as they see fit. Obviously, that decision whether uh, what to do with those oil taps comes down to some things that are beyond their control. But at the same time, like you pointed out earlier, you've got uh, Indian government officials who are actually calling on OPEC to actually unleash more supply so that uh, the oil prices within countries like India, you know, it doesn't hit the consumer's pockets too much. Right? And as we know, India is a net importer of oil. It's a good point with India, I think, and it really needs to be stressed because, you know, India is the third biggest oil importer and consumer. You know, uh, it relies on overseas supplies for around 80% of its oil needs. So, you know, what they do, what they say is is mega important for the oil price, really. Uh, I think real retail prices are at record highs in India. Uh, and like you say, they're urging OPEC to try and, you know, phase out some of these output cuts because, you know, higher prices are stoking inflation. Mm. Okay, just to recap, obviously a lot riding on this Thursday's meeting, uh, Thursday 1st of July. So OPEC Plus has to decide how much are they going to pump out into the world starting in August? The figures that markets are contending with right now is about 500,000 barrels per day more in August from current levels. Uh, still not enough to uh, bring the world back into oversupply or even meet the gap with uh, global demand right now. But it's a step towards that direction. Uh, we'll see if it actually plays out. I think with all that said, taking the longer time frame outlook... Right, And you've got already many people or several notable voices already calling for $100 oil. I'm talking about some of the oil majors. You've got the CEOs of Shell, of Total, and even big Wall Street banks like Bank of America and Goldman Sachs. They are not ruling out uh, oil touching $100 again. So this then evokes another opportunity to talk about around 2014 when we last saw $100 oil. So the question is, Mr. Dada, where were you in 2014 when oil fell below that psychologically important barrier? Now, perhaps I'll start. You know, I was working for Bloomberg TV Malaysia and oil prices are very much a major influencer on the Malaysian ringgit. And I remember covering that story almost ad nauseum about how this drop in oil prices in the global benchmark brand could affect Malaysia's fiscal position and also the ringgit's performance. So that was where I was at in 2014 when we last saw Brent at $100. You, sir, where were you? Well, it's good. No, <laughs> I, I was doing the same thing pretty much. You know, nothing changes in my life too much when you get to my age, I guess. Um, but it had averaged, you know, around $100 for, I think, around six years up until that time in 2014. But, you know, at the start of that century, at the start of this century, it's around $10. So we got up to the $100 mark and then for around 60 years oscillating between that and then, you know, essentially because of Chinese demand and then U.S. shale came online and um, pushed that lower. But it is an interesting thing, isn't it? You know, $100, whether it means that much, this magical number. Do we get there sooner rather than later? Does demand peak before supply or, you know, does supply even 
before demand, you know, and, and I think it's a really interesting question. You know, near term, you've got obviously this pent up demand, mobility demand um, after the lockdown. And that's on that side of the equation. But supply side, you know, you've got all this government policy pressure in the US, across the world, really, to, you know, stop spending on oil output really to meet the Paris goals and you've got investors more vocal you know you've seen different landmark cases legal cases you've got the judicial pressures just to limit co2 emissions but you've got you know a growing population and that whole side of things where there's less spending uh less capex really but we're not really ready to go green yet so i don't know about you you know there's a lot of discussion about you know these targets and things but we've still got to get there and we've still got to meet them essentially and i just think it's a fascinating uh, next few years really and and potentially that supply gap right in the next uh five years up to probably 2030 where as i say you've got probably another billion people gdp will grow by say 50 percent, and they're going to need energy they're going to need you know oil and then like you said you've got lots of investment banks saying well there's a commodity super cycle lots of numbers thrown about i think for Goldman Sachs, I think they said every $2 trillion of green spending, CapEx, is worth about 200,000 barrels a day of oil demand. So, yeah, uh, fascinating. Next few years, whether we get to 100 or not, you're smiling. So, um, yeah, well, yeah. because uh, in the options market, it looks like we may not have to wait too long. You've already got um, some positioning for 100 or even up to $125 Brent in the second half of 2022. So perhaps one final hurrah for oil bulls before the green agenda really kicks up a notch and the world can reduce its reliance on oil. But until then, I'm sure there'll be many episodes of Markets Extra. So do subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms as we journey through global financial markets together. Also in the lead up to the July 1st OPEC Plus meeting and also after, you can keep tabs on the oil markets. Just check out our daily market analysis on our website.